This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be back in your company. Apologies for missing out last week. Um, for those of you who are waiting for Judaism 101.9 last week, unfortunately unable to be in uh, the studio then, and happy to be with you today on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here. Certainly got a very, very springy kind of a feel to it. Um, spring is certainly in the air. But it also means that Elul is in the air. Um, you know, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot and Ethics of Our Fathers tells us that we need to prepare ourselves in the antechamber. Um, of course, we're going in for the big event, the big event. Um, and, of course, there's the entrance hall, the antechamber, where one gets ready for that big event, of course. The uh, Mishnah is talking about life itself, that life itself is not the end but or the ultimate goal, but rather Olam Haba, uh, the world to come, is the ultimate goal, and we need to prepare ourselves. We need to do well in the antechamber, but here, perhaps applying it as we can very well to the months of Elul and Tishrei. Coming month of Tishrei, the high festivals, that's the big show. That's the moment that we've been waiting for. That is when everything is decided and everything happens, and we need to spend this antechamber kind of a month before, the month of Elul, where we are preparing ourselves, where we're readying ourselves and making sure that we are match fit, that we're ready for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, not just with um, all the wonderful things that we're going to eat and imbibe, and not just with the great company that we're going to keep over the Yamim Noraim, over the Yomim Tovim, but obviously um, matters of the soul, matters of life, matters of our interpersonal relationships and matters of our relationship with the Almighty, with God, all of these things need introspection, they need some rectification, they need some fixing, and they need our attention. And that, in fact, is what this month of Elul is truly all about. We've already launched headlong into the month. Today already is day number four, the fourth day in the month of Elul. Of course, um, Rosh Chodesh was over Shabbat and Sunday, Sunday being the first day of Elul. And right away, there are a number of changes that are made in our practical um prayer services and things that change immediately come the month of Elul. One of them is we say extra psalms, extra tehillim are said. Now we know that um, King David wrote his psalms as music to God's ears. Um, there is um, the soothing uh, remedy of tehillim, of psalms for just about everything. Um, psalms are said on happy occasions. Psalms are said on sad occasions. You've heard psalms said, um, God forbid, at funerals. You hear psalms said in any kind of a simcha. They are um, the very lines that give um, the musicians and the songwriters um, <coughs> the ammunition and the um, stuff that they need in order to compose the most beautiful uh, melodies, the most beautiful songs are taken from this book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms, of course, is to provide us with a wherewithal to touch literally at the heartstrings of the Almighty during this month as well. And so Tehillim, extra Tehillim, extra Psalms are said. Now, there are all sorts of different formula of how these psalms are said, and different people and different communities have different customs. Some say three extra psalms each and every day for the duration of the month of Elul, and then into Tishrei, completing the entire book 
when it comes to Yom Kippur. Some just add in the extra psalm, which is added, and this is uh, common to just about everybody, that um, an extra psalm is added at towards the end of our prayers, towards the end of our davening, usually at the same time as we say the song of the day, the psalm of the day that he said each day of the week, a different psalm that the Levim, that the Levites would say in the Beit HaMikdash in the temple. And that, of course, is Psalm number 27, which is added universally. Le David Hashem Oriva Yishi. We look to God as our light and our salvation. Of course, the psalm alludes to, it um, speaks about all the um, coming Chagim, all the coming festivals. We refer to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the days of uh, blessing, the days of salvation. And we conclude with, and we speak also about the days that we will dwell in the Sukkah, the days of Simcha. Um, it's all contained in this very, very beautiful psalm, which is said every day. There are different customs, of course. Um, in when exactly that psalm is said, some say it for shachrit, for the morning service, as well as for mincha, and some say it at shachrit and at myriv in the evening service. But nonetheless, the psalm is said by most communities, most people around the world, twice a day um, for the duration of the month of Elul, and then as we said, right up until the end of all the Chagim, the end of all the, f- uh, the festivals, most people saying that psalm right up to Hoshana Rabbah, the last of the festivals just before Shemini Atzeret and Simchat Torah. And so the additional prayers, the additional psalms, is a an additional way of connecting with the Almighty, an additional way of providing the music and the soothing and um, telling God that uh, we are praying for, hoping for, and trying to um, connect with God's compassion, his mercy, his kindness, um, and all the wonderful things that he has in store for us for the coming year. Also during this um, month and right up until the day before Rosh Hashanah, we sound the shofar. That's, of course, with the exception of um, Shabbat, when the shofar is not sounded, and on the day before Rosh Hashanah, when the shofar is also not sounded. But otherwise, from the first of Elul, from Sunday, all the way th- this last Sunday, all the way through, um, we sound the shofar, the blowing of the shofar, the sounding of the shofar, of course, there to um, alert us to the fact that Rosh Hashanah is coming. But much more than that, it was actually on the day of Rosh Chodesh Elul, which would have been the anniversary of which would have been on this last Sunday, that Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moses ascended the mountain, that Moses went up the mountain to finally collect the Torah that he brought down and that lasted forever, the uh, second set of tablets that he brought down on Yom Kippur. Um, he ascended the mountain on Rosh Chodesh Elul. And when he went up the mountain, he wanted to make sure, he wanted to ensure that the Jewish people didn't make the same mistake that they'd made the time before. Because the time before, they had thought that Moses had deserted the Jewish people, that he had absconded, that somehow he had disappeared into the thin air on top of Mount Sinai, and that he was not to return. And they therefore began searching for a way to replace Moshe, to replace Moses, and eventually ended up sadly, tragically, unfortunately, making a golden calf, which they then many sought to utilize as an idol and to replace God himself. And it all came about because they had miscalculated the date and the time of Moshe Rabbeinu's return. He had said, I'll be back within, I'll be back after 40 days and 40 nights. And they took it from the moment that he said that. And of course, he only left a day later to go up the mountain 
Um, and uh, the clocks were ticking. The countdown was on. They were expecting him back. He didn't arrive on time. And, of course, um, for being late, um, what a tremendous punishment and what a tremendous difficulty the entire Jewish people um, uh, succeeded to and uh, became um, involved in in order to try and replace Moshe Rabbeinu, to try and replace Moses. And so he didn't want any mistakes a second time around, and he told them, I'm going up the mountain on Rosh Chodesh Elul, and at the time of my departure, I want you to sound the shofar. Sound the shofar, sound the horn, make sure that there is an alarm bell that is rung, and that will be the time of my ascent. And um, then, 40 days and 40 nights later, I will be back. That will be Yom Kippur. He wanted no mistake. And so it goes all the way back to the time that we were in the desert, that the shofar began being sounded on Rosh Chodesh Elul. But we sounded, of course, in order to stir our hearts, in order to wake us up. And there's nothing as um, shrill and as uh, heart-wrenching and as heart-touching as the sound of the shofar for a Jewish soul, for a Jewish heart. When we hear it, of course, we are shaken, shaken to do tshuva, to repent, shaken, to think about where we are and what we should be doing, and shaken, of course, by the fact that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are literally just around the corner, and we need to prepare ourselves accordingly. And so the sounds of the shofar awakens our soul, it awakens our hearts, it wakes us up to the fact that Rosh Hashanah is coming and that there is so much work to be done during this beautiful, long, and packed month of Elul in order to prepare ourselves correctly for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi and welcome back. Uh, we've been talking about Elul. It is the month that we're in. It is the precursor to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's the time of campaigning and making sure that we are match fit, that we're ready for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur come the end of the month, uh, the high festivals which are literally just around the corner. Well, how do we actually get ourselves match fit? How do we get ourselves ready from a spiritual point of view? What are the areas that we best need to focus on? Well, quite simply, our um, sages have taught us, uh, the Shulchan Aruch uh, amongst them quotes various different names or um, verses for the month of Elul. It is probably the most um, used or the one, the, the month that has the most use made out of its name in uh, determining what this month is really all about. We know that most of the names of the months were given in Babylonian times, most of them of Babylonian origin. However, um, when our sages chose to ratify that these should be the names of the months, several of them have a far, far deeper meaning. And when it comes to the month of Elul, they literally wax lyrical talking about the various different um, verses that encapsulate what this month is really all about. And, of course, in a great and wonderful style, they take the um, acrostics, in other words, the first letters of part of a verse and see how it spells out the month of Elul, and not the least of which is the best known of them all, that the month of Elul stands for Ani Ledodi Vedodi Li. If you take the first letters of those four words, Ani, I am, Ledodi, to my beloved, Vedodi, and my beloved, Li is to me, I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me, or as my beloved is to me, we're talking about a... Uh, 
great and wonderful statement that is made between two people who love each other. Of course, it's quoted by King Solomon as being the epitome of the relationship between man and God. Anila dodi vedodili. I am to my beloved as my beloved is to me. This interrelationship between ourselves and the Almighty. So either it is God speaking to us and saying, I'm to you as you'll be to me, or it's us speaking to God and uh, proposing that um, we form this bond of a great and wonderful relationship. Now, if we think about it, in our lives, in our world, um, who is the one that carries out more of the relationship? Is this a one-sided relationship? Is it all about one party giving, we know that no relationships will ever work or will ever be um, uh, full and flourishing and prosperous unless there are two sides to the relationship. Try it. Think about it in any relationship. If it's only one-sided, well, it really will go nowhere. It will end up in all sorts of drama, all sorts of difficulty, and um, never really um, enabling the relationship to flourish and to be strong. It needs to be from two sides. It needs to be a joint deal. And this is what we're proposing. This is what we're thinking about when we think about um, Anila Dodiva Dodili, I'm to my beloved as my beloved is to me and my beloved is to me. We need to make sure that our relationship with the Almighty, our relationship with God, is one that is reciprocal. God provides us with our nourishment. God provides us with our family. God provides us with our parnosa. God provides us with uh, the air to breathe, with the beautiful blue sky. God provides us with rain in the, in the, in the right season. God provides us with everything that we could possibly need. What are we doing? And uh, to what extent are we carrying out our part of the deal? How much is our life focused on caring for, ensuring, enabling, and empowering um, God? And to what extent are we just self-centered and just on the take all the time? Well, this is what th- this time is really all about. Anila Dodiva Dodili is really a call for each and every one of us to think about how much more we could or should or need to be doing in order to um, improve upon our relationship with the Almighty, to make sure that we have a better relationship, that we pray more often. You know, um, prayer is something that is so essential and so intrinsic to Judaism that we really cannot survive without it. It is something that is absolutely necessary. There is an, a necessity that the Almighty has and that we have of prayer. Prayer um, invokes humility. Prayer invokes humbleness. Prayer invokes um, the attitude and the uh, knowledge that it is um, God who provides us with everything, and we need to be there not just to request that God sends us whatever it is that we're looking for, but rather that we understand that um, we would be nowhere without him, to thank him, to provide him with the accolades that he is worthy of, um, to ensure that God continues to do all the wonderful things that he does for us and that he continues to recognize us and that he knows exactly who we are, that we are there and that we are counted. And, of course, in the prayer environment, it is not only about us and our relationship with the Almighty, but, of course, it's about us and our relationship with the community, with others, with other people, which we'll talk about a little bit later on as well. But the idea of improving on our relationship with the Almighty in our prayers and in our acknowledgement of God and in realizing that if it was not for um, God's um, uh, power and not for God, 
giving us every single step of the way, every single item and every single thing that we have at our disposal, we would absolutely be nowhere. Um, improving on our relationship with God is the first posture, actually, and the first um, accent that we need to place on um, the uh, or during the month of Elul in order to enable and in order to ensure that this month is a time when we prepare correctly. There is a second one alluded to already, and that is that um, strangely enough, there are well, there are several different things. I'm going to focus just on three today. Several just different things that are said about the month of Elul. The second one that I would like to focus on is taken actually from. The Megillat Esther, the Megillah of Purim. Now, we think about, and uh, it's often been said, that uh, Yom Kippur is a Yom Kippurim. At the time of Purim, our lives were threatened. The entire Jewish people was under threat. Everybody could have been cut off. And similarly, we stand that way on Yom Kippur, which will be in uh, just 36 days' time when we are uh, celebrating Yom Kippur, that once again we realize our fickleness, we realize the um, uh, really the, 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 the very, very edge of the world that we're standing on and uh, that we could literally fall off if it were not for God keeping us afloat and keeping us on it, um, that this is actually um, what Yom Kippur is all about. Well, similarly on Purim, well, that's not really where we're going with this. But Yom, but Yom Kippur is this day of um, awesome, awesome understanding <coughs> that um, we could have our lives just uh, taken away from us at a at a, a split second, and we need to be grateful every moment of every day uh, of the fact that God has kept us alive and gives us all the wonderful things that he does. But at the end of the Megillah of Purim, we speak about the ways that we celebrate Purim, and um, there are two things that are kind of combined into one where we speak about the idea of acts of kindness between people, giving stocker, giving charity, and giving food gifts to a friend. And the statement here is, Ish le'evyonim, A man to his friend, and gifts to the poor. Ish le'evyonim, If you take the first letters of that four-worded statement, it is also Elul. Alef Lamed Vav Lamed Ish Lera'eyu Umatanot Levyonim A man to his friend and gifts to the poor. Well here we need to focus and we need to remember that um, our lives cannot be self centered. Never mind the fact that we need to have a great relationship with God, but in fact our relationship with God could come, become quite selfish as well. We could become all caught up in just about me, my relationship with God and what God means to me and what I need, uh, what, what I'm doing and how privileged I am and how great I have become in all the things that I have done and look how God has favored me and I'm God's chosen what about the other people? What about everybody else? And when it comes to the month of Elul, we need to embroider upon, we need to broaden the scope, the horizon, um, and uh, the very, very essence of what we do for others. Ish l'ra'eyu matanot levyonim is a call to charity, to giving to others, to giving to other people, to making sure that you live a life that is uh, not self-centered, that you live a life that's not just looking out for number one, that you live a life whereby you are giving to other people, giving at all times, giving of your time, giving of your effort, giving of your energy, giving of your money, giving of your best 
to enable other people. Because remember here too, that it is actually all one, and that is that each and every individual possesses a part of God. God created them after all. Each and every individual, each and every person, each and every creature was created by the Almighty. It is part of God, and so is the whole world. In recognizing God, we cannot just recognize God as the all-powerful for everything that he does for us, but we've got to recognize all the other people and everything else that God created um, in order to really, truly appreciate the magnitude, the greatness, and the glory of the Almighty, of God himself. And therefore, our relationship with individuals, with people, with others, not only with our community, but with all communities, with other people, um, entertaining other people's ideas, thinking about um, how other people feel, being a little bit more sensitive to the needs, the wants, the likes and the dislikes of others around us, ensuring that we live a life that is so much more meaningful because it is so much more committed to doing things for other people. And uh, this is the statement of We need to make sure and we need to ensure that during this time of the month of Elul, we improve on those interpersonal relationships, whether they are within the family, whether they are between a husband and wife, whether they are between parents and children, or whether they are between ourselves and other members of our immediate community or of our not-so-immediate community, ensuring that we end and that we end arguments, that we end uh, faribles, that we make sure that we go into uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur with uh, a clean slate in this regard and um, with a grand, wonderful and fresh and beautiful approach to how we're going to uh, interact with our fellow men during the coming year. If you think about it, is there not a parent in the world who wants to see, who doesn't want to see their children together? Parents want their kids to remain together. Is it not the most wonderful gift that we can give the Almighty, that we can give to God um, and work on, particularly in the build-up to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, our interpersonal relationships? And yes, um, it's not always that easy. It's probably a lot easier to do a deal with God um, than it is to do with other people, to apologize. Um, Perhaps if we've done something wrong in a too full of ourselves or too egocentric to actually admit it. Um, or even if we don't think we were so wrong and somebody else wronged us, um, but perhaps there was something that we did somewhere down the line um, of that argument, of that difference, of that faribul, that somewhere down the line we have also set one or two feet wrong or one or two um, things that we may have said or we may have inferred or we may have done How about you be the one to apologize? How about you be the one who is big enough and bold enough and great enough to be able to step forward and say, you know what, I'm going to end it here. We're not going to anymore have this argument. Life is too short for all of those things. We're rather going to live in harmony. We're going to live in peace. We're going to give God the nachas. And uh, the soothing um, sounds of our tehillim are nothing compared to the soothingness of the fact that people have made peace, that there is shalom, that there is peace in the world, and that uh, people are getting along a lot better. So, improving on our relationship with God is um, him ensconced in and actually um, coupled with the idea of improving on our relationship with our fellow men. And then perhaps we come to the one which um, underscores them all, and that is perhaps how we need to spend some time working on ourselves. 
If we work on our relationship with the Almighty, that is one level. If we work on our relationship with other people, that is level two. How about reaching level one, where we really do quite a lot of introspection, quite a lot of work um, on the most difficult subject in the world, which is me, working on ourselves and making sure that we ourselves are in a fit state to herald the arrival of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We'll be back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, and welcome back. Yes, we've been talking about the different meanings or the different postures or the different stances that we're supposed to take during this month of Elul in order to get ourselves, as we said, match fit, match ready for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And, of course, the most difficult um, of all labors is to actually work on yourself to ensure that there is some kind of a change that is brought about within oneself um, for the better, of course, um, is one of the most difficult things to do. It's a lot easier to find fault with others. It's a lot easier to point out the problems and issues that other people have rather than taking a long, hard look in the proverbial mirror and seeing the issues, the faults, the difficulties, the problems, the issues that you yourself have within yourself um, and to work on them and to chip away bit by bit and do what we call teshuva, do what we call repentance. Now, repentance doesn't only mean saying we're sorry. Repentance actually means not only identifying the malady, identifying the difficulty, but it, uh, uh, more than that, turning it around and making sure that you act differently, that it's changed, that there is a fundamental change in the things that you do and the things that you say and the things that you act out um, in order to make sure that uh, you come out the other end a far better person and that it sticks, that you become better, not just having paid lip service to becoming better and having paid lip service to the apology, but um, that you actually show um, what you mean and you do what you say and you literally walk the talk. Well, we think about that one in terms of what it says in uh, the statements of our sages. And here we think about the fact that it says, um, um, we are told that um, there was a system in uh, ancient Israel of uh, what are known as cities of refuge. There were cities of refuge. There were places that people could go if they inadvertently did something wrong, if they committed even a capital offense, if they had, God forbid, killed somebody in an accidental way, in a way whereby they could not be held liable and not um, have a death penalty, God forbid, invoked upon them. Um, they would be housed, whether temporarily until they came to trial or uh, for a long period of time thereafter in what was known as a city of refuge, a place of escape. And that place of escape was a place of rehab. It was a place of rehabilitation. It was a place where there were priests, there were people there in order to be able to help people with their difficulties, with their problems. It was an environment in which they could make good, they could make restitution, they could fix themselves up, they could focus on true and proper full Jewish repentance, on tshuva. Ina is the statement that is made in the Torah. An accident came into his hand, into your hand, and God says, <coughs> I have placed for you a place that you can escape to, that you can go into refuge in. Four words that also spell out Elul. Ina, Aleph, Lamed, 
vav lecha for you spells out Elu. It is a place of escape, a place of refuge, a place of rectification, a place of fixing up. And for what? It was for inadvertent acts, for things that we had done unintentionally. Now that is 90% of um, what people do actually is unintentional. Even if people say, well, I really meant it, I really did it, and I did it on purpose, um, still not knowing the full extent of the law, not having been warned, not really knowing uh, what the uh, uh, punishment for various sins would be, etc., um, renders a person actually um, um, as someone who's done things unintentionally. And therefore, the majority of what we do wrong is unintentional. Now, God says, look at this. I'm giving you a month of a city of refuge. You have a place to escape to. You have a place to go where you can spend the duration of this month introspecting, um, getting the help that you need in a time of a detox and a recharge and a time of um, real deep introspection in order to ensure, in order to enable us to come out the other end um, match fit, match ready, ready for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and ready for all the brochas that we know that we're going to get in the coming year. So this is what um, really this month of Elul is actually all about. In We have a beautiful opportunity, a city of refuge, a place where we can go. We're not going to be judged. We're not going to be held accountable. We have an opportunity to reveal all. We have an opportunity to apologize for all. We have an opportunity to make good, to make restitution, to uh, apologize and then some, and to um, enable ourselves to behave in a far, far better fashion. Now, this is easier said than done. What we've got to do is we've got to take a long, hard look at ourselves in the mirror, find, identify those difficulties, and then slowly but surely chip away, work away at it, perhaps changing something small every day or perhaps trying to change the same thing every day during the month of Elul, but in a small way, making a little bit of a move in the right direction each and every day. Is that not truly what this month of Elul is really all about and what Tshuva is really all about? We may think, hey, one second, Tshuva is so big, it's so huge. How can I ever reach uh, the pinnacle of what Tshuva, of what repentance actually demands from me and needs from me if we chip away? One little detail at a time, one small step at a time, eventually we will get there. Back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So we sound the shofar, and the sounding of the shofar has three distinct different tunes, different notes that are played. The first one is a long single note, which we call the tekiah. The second one is three broken sounds, which we call the shvarim. And the third one is the terua, a staccato kind of um, uh, like almost like machine gun fire, which is uh, the note of terua. So we've got tekia, shvarim, and terua. If we think about it, um, perhaps the tekia being this one call from the pits of our stomach, from the pits of our uh, being, from our soul, a call out to the Almighty. This is perhaps the call out of the Jew in Shuvah, in repentance. If we think about the Shvarim, the broken um, three-time uh, or three-phase kind of a sound of the Shvarim, is perhaps the way we need to come back to God in our prayer, three times a day, praying to God, morning, afternoon, and evening, and uh, begging God for mercy and asking God to ensure that we have a wonderful and a beautiful year up ahead. And then the staccato little sounds 
of a multitude of different small little things. Perhaps it's all the little stuff that we've got to do for other people. Little deeds of kindness, little acts of kindness, little um, tokens of appreciation, little smiles, little uh, greetings, little things that we think are throwaway, that we think are small, that we think are minor, but yet can make a huge difference in our relationships with other people. It's on those little things that those relationships with everybody is going to be built. And therefore, if we think about the sounds of the shofar, perhaps they too connote really what this month of Elul is all about. I'm to my beloved as my beloved is to me. Remember, we need to work on our relationship with the Almighty. Remember, we need to work on our relationship with other people. And remember, we need to work on ourselves and we need to make sure that we do this tshuva, we do this repentance, we do this not only apology, but this rectification, this restitution, and that we actually get back to exactly where we should be. That is the ultimate meaning of what tshuva, of what repentance is actually all about, getting back to where we really should be. And if we do all of that, and even if we do it to some degree, we must never give up. We must never think, well, it's too big for me, you know, so why even try? No, the slightest little improvement in any way, in any one of those realms, and certainly in all of them, is the ultimate stuff that's going to stand us in good stead and ensure that the Almighty God will provide us with a Shana Tova Umetuka, with a happy and a healthy and a sweet and wonderful year. And, of course, during this period of time, each and every one of us should end off any conversation or end off any letter that we write. In fact, it says so in Shulchan Aruch that we should end off any letter that we write to a friend at this time by wishing each other a Ktiva V'chatima Tova, a good year and a year that we're inscribed and sealed for a good year. A Shana Tova Umatuka, a happy, healthy and a sweet year. We should do it do it for the duration of the month because those brochas, those blessings that we pronounce upon each other draw down that beautiful, wondrous um, strength of the Almighty into each and every individual and into this whole world. And is that not ultimately our job? To make this world a better place, to make this world a more godly place, a more sanctified place. And that ultimately is what this month of Elul is truly all about. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. Look forward to being back with you next week, same time, same place on Judaism 101.9.